Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Menashe. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from St. Simons Island in Georgia. Welcome to the show, Andrea Newburn. Hi, Victor. Thanks so much for having me on today. Well, great to have you here. Now, you have a number of different hats that you wear. You are part of the Get Rich Education organization. You're Keith Weinhold's chief operating officer, but you also own multiple businesses, and one in particular that we'll talk about today. But before we dive into those details, maybe you give a little bit of your backstory, how you got to this point in your journey. Sure, absolutely. So uh, I came up through corporate career. Um, I was in management consulting and mortgage industry for about 15 years. Uh, And about halfway through that, I said, there's got to be a better way to live life. And so I started heavily investing in real estate. And then that led to other business verticals. So here we are today. Very interesting. So maybe just give a little bit of a snapshot of what it is that you do for Keith, because Keith's been a guest on the show multiple times, and certainly the Get Rich Education brand is well known in the industry. And maybe talk a little bit about that relationship, but then we'll focus on one of your other businesses. Sure, absolutely. So I've been on board with Keith now for about three years. um, And really what I'm here for is to help him grow the business, to be able to get the message out to as many uh, investors in the podcasting world as we can, um, to be able to give them really solid content, good education, and even sometimes we help them find properties that really fit their investment goals and their portfolio. So I just keep the wheel running there at Get Rich Education. Now, you have launched numerous businesses and you're splitting your time between St. Simons Island in Georgia and Detroit, Michigan. What took you there? Yeah, my husband's from here and we had our first little one uh, a little over a year ago and we wanted him to be closer to family. Plus, I think there's a lot of opportunity up here in Detroit. And so we decided to kind of make that move and split our time between both uh, states. Fabulous. So, and you launched a new business there. Tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. So we... um, Everything I try to open, every business I try to do is really real estate focused. Um, So we started looking into uh, additional businesses last year that we could we could get into that would give us access to more real estate. And we ended up opening up a crime scene cleanup company, which, uh, as you can imagine, does very well here in the Detroit area. We do things other than crime scene cleanup, but that's kind of what we're known for. Now, Detroit is a market that certainly over the last decade has earned a number of different reputations. One of them is being a place to buy property very inexpensively. Uh, obviously, the crime stats in, in Detroit proper in the in the inner city are, are not the best. The, the city itself has been a shrinking city. And I know in terms of my own investment philosophy, doesn't mean there's any right or wrong. I, I only invest in growing cities. And I know there's areas outside Detroit that are growing, but Detroit property has lost a lot of population. So uh, what's the strategy? Yeah, that, that, that's a great point. Um, it has lost population. If you look at the Detroit, uh, Southeast Michigan MSA as a whole, you will see that there's some growth there. So what we specifically try to focus on is we don't go to those D-class neighborhoods in the city of Detroit and try to pick those up and add them to our portfolio or sell them. We're going to some of these nicer neighborhoods in Detroit, but then also in the suburbs of Detroit as well. And we get access to those because we're often called in to come in and clean up a crime scene or come in and clean up water damage or mold issues. And people either don't have the money to pay for that, or they just don't want to deal with it. And so we're able typically to get these properties um, at a discount. So cents on the dollar compared to what they would sell for on the general market. And we either keep them in our portfolio 
we flip them to other investors or we rehab them and then we keep them in the portfolio later. So we kind of have three different options we go through on that. Um, but again, we don't try to go into those areas where it's very crime-ridden, where there's a lot of problems, where the population's just fleeing out. Um, we look for those areas that are growing. So the what is your typical crime scene cleanup consist of? Oh, gosh, no one has asked me that question, actually. Yeah. Um, so we have to come in often, and sometimes they're smaller crime scenes, sometimes they're larger. What a lot of people don't realize is when it's biohazardous material, it has to be transported appropriately. Everything has to be removed. And a lot of times this matters traveling a lot further in homes than you would think. So we essentially have to come in. We have to rip floors out, walls out, ceilings out, make sure all of that material has been removed, um, and then get it ready for the contractors to come in and rebuild those homes. And this is everything from your simple break and enter to something much more involved. That is correct. We do things from breaking and entering, you know, one person gets injured. We also have a lot of cases where an elderly person accidentally cuts themselves and they bleed all over the house and it's just smaller things. We often come into uh, vehicles where there's been some type of uh, gang-related shooting. That's probably the most common that we do. Um, but those gang-related shootings happen in the homes too. So it's kind of all across the board. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. I can see the connection where you're coming in, you're cleaning up a crime scene. It gives you really the first bite of the apple before anyone else in the world of real estate has had a look at the property. Um, how has that actually helped you build the portfolio? Are these properties that you even want? Some of them are, some of them are not. The ones that we do not want, we typically wholesale those out to other investors. Um, a lot of investors like those cheaper properties in D-class neighborhoods. We personally don't. Um, when we wholesale them, we're able to take that capital that we make from that and reinvest it into areas we would want to purchase homes. So it kind of just keeps the capital flowing if it's not something that we're keeping and using as a passive investment. Very interesting. And is the focus strictly on single family dwellings or are you looking at multifamily as well? We do both. It's more common that we get access to single family dwellings through this particular business, but oftentimes we're meeting other investors or people that may own other properties and we're able to purchase those properties from them because they're ready to just wash their hands of it and get out of the business in general. Interesting. So they might have had an issue in one property and then they say, not only will I sell you this one property, you can take the whole portfolio. Exactly. Yep. Fascinating. And when you look at something that is maybe distressed, in some fashion, there's often a lender involved, uh, which can complicate matters depending on what the nature of that loan is. There might be uh, yield maintenance or a prepayment penalty on those loans. There's could be all kinds of different things that might make the seller prisoner to the property in some fashion. Um, how do you deal with those? We don't run into the prepayment penalty too often. A lot of these homes that we're we're getting in our portfolio are grandmother on the home. It's free and clear. They've owned it for 60, 70 years. Grandchild moved in. There's now a crime in there. And so when we go to purchase it, usually they're cash deals and there's not typically lenders involved. When there are, they haven't been under a loan for very long. So there's usually, you know, not an issue for us to be able to just pay that off and, you know, we usually do cash. We don't do loans ourselves. Um, so it's not very hard to get access to those and not too many loan issues. So you're looking to grow your portfolio. How did you how did you decide that this was actually going to be a good path for getting desirable properties that you would want in your portfolio? So a couple of different things. Number one, I did want another business that was tied to real estate that was a little bit more recession resistant. 
And obviously, crime goes up when you're in recessions. Um, Damage to homes, mold, neglect to homes, things like that just continue to increase. So from a business perspective, it made sense, irrespective of purchasing the real estate. From the real estate perspective, it just kind of tied into there because we could get these properties. So it wasn't specifically real estate focused. It just tied in on that. And your source of leads, are they from insurance companies, insurance adjusters, lenders? How are people finding you? We do a lot of pay-per-click marketing. So we do get that through your typical Google ads or social media ads. Um, we do have relationships with insurance adjusters. And I do a lot of networking in the area. So I have a lot of referrals that are sent to me through those connections I've made in the community as well. Fascinating. Well, this is an angle we have definitely not seen before when it comes to uh, sourcing properties. I mean, we've certainly seen folks uh, standing in the hallway outside uh, landlord-tenant tribunal help a, a landlord who's just come out of that tribunal and not have things go their way. So we've certainly seen those types of situations, but not not a crime scene cleanup. So that's very, very interesting. Now, in your experience, I know in the world of insurance, the number one claim by far is water damage. Uh, that, that for sure is the number one uh, claim classification, whether it's a leaky bathtub or a washing machine or dishwasher, whatever it might be, that is the number one source of damage to a property. And is that mirrored in your business, in your cleanup business as well? It, it is. So it's seasonal a little bit too, as the water damage goes. It's typically when there's some type of storm or freeze, like we had a couple weeks ago, and mm-hmm. everything backs up into people's homes. Um, water damage is actually our third vertical. So um, the first one is hoarding. We do a ton of hoarding cleanouts at this company. Uh. We we get the access to real estate through that as well. Um, Our second is mold. And then our third is water damage. The crime scene actually comes in fourth, even though we still have a lot of revenue from it. Well, Andrea, if folks want to connect, if they want to learn more, what's the best way? Yeah, a couple of different ways. So if you want to hear more about Get Rich Education, I highly recommend you go to www.getricheducation.com forward slash course. It's a free course that teaches you a lot about real estate, one of the best I've seen out there. If you want to get in touch with me directly, um, you can go to my Facebook Realtor page. It's Andrea Newburn, or you can find me on Bigger Pockets. Those are the two easiest ways to get a hold of me. Fabulous. Well, love the perspective, love the story. And for the listeners at home, definitely connect with Andrea Newburn on her Realtor Facebook page, Andrea Newburn. The link will be in the show notes. Or check out Get Rich Education at getricheducation.com slash course. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow.